slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those seats. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty cool, like like people coming up to hug you and, uh, oh, maybe you don't think that's so cool. Anyway. You're not a hugger. There's uh, handshakes and high fives for you. Yeah. Adorange, adorable children and um, some music and definitely the treats after church, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a brand new age. We are your (laughs) average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so if you're away from home or maybe you have work or you're coaching your kid's soccer team or maybe you just had to sleep in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Every episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open heart and an open mind. We're serious about that open mind and that open heart. We don't expect that you will agree with everything we say, but we do want you to question, to disagree, to use your brain and figure out what you think. Our sincere hope in the midst of all of that, though, is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So there's a difference between being strong and being impervious. Oh yeah, there definitely is. There's a difference between being strong and being impervious. Mm -hmm. And And many things that you think are impervious are actually just strong. Okay. Like rock. Yes. Okay. So this morning we talked about John 12 verses 20 to 33, Mm -hmm. which is... You know, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's getting in trouble. He goes off on this... Spoiler alert. Well, he goes off on this rant about, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground and dead to the world, it's never more than a grain of wheat. Mm -hmm. In other words, that we have to be recreated into something new, into what we are supposed to become. And then he says, if you want to serve me, follow me. Mm -hmm. And... You know, and and that'll be a good thing. And then he says, right now I am storm tossed. What am I going to say? Father, get me out of this? No, this is why I came in the first place. I'll say, Father, put your glory on display. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says the storms that we go through Mm -hmm. um, are not necessarily intended by God. Right. But that in the midst of the storms, we are not necessarily called to avoid them or to take shelter. But... That through the storms, we can actually understand and embody the love and grace of God in ways that we couldn't any other time. Right. So uh, so he says this. He says, you know, for such a time as this. This exactly. is why I'm here. Not for the safe here. times, but for the hard times. Not for the pretty miracles and the, the fun feedings, but to help you see how, how we do this thing. Even in the midst of distress. And he's about to experience a whole lot of distress yeah, yeah. in our timeline. And they're going to be in distress, too. And then I, I love it because Jesus says, you know, I'll say, Father, put your glory on display. And then a voice comes from the heavens that says, I glorified it once, I'll glorify Try it again. again. <laughs> Which is just great. It becomes this opportunity for Jesus to say, don't be afraid of the of storm. what's to come. Yeah. And don't be afraid of the light. It, it right, ends right. with, um, in fact, the, the next few verses sort of mm-hmm. say, walk by the light so the darkness doesn't destroy you. If you walk in darkness, you don't know where you're going. If you have the light, believe in the light, and the light will be within you, and you will be children of light. In other words, don't be afraid right. of what you are in the midst of this. Right. Use this as an opportunity. Use the storms in your life as an opportunity. So Jesus is saying, don't be impervious. Right. Be strong. Be strong. 
Don't be impervious. Be strong. And so for the last few weeks during Lent, we've been talking about the things that make us strong and also the things that could make us impervious instead. Yes. That could sort of defend us against growing and evolving. Mm -hmm. And instead, how do we know what those things are and then avoid falling into the pitfalls that might prevent us from actually becoming stronger by just avoiding the things that bother us or avoiding the things that would stretch us and grow us. Right. Because there's a difference, like the metaphor that just popped in my head is you're using like the stretch and grow. The the metaphor I see is if we either stretch or grow or we bend like a, like a piece of wire until we break. Right. A piece of metal is something really impervious in some ways, but we stress it. It doesn't have resiliency. It doesn't have the resiliency that we're looking for. Right. So trees. Trees. Trees know a lot about storms. You think? I, we're, we're sitting in your your dining room while there seem to be There's, practicing some things outside. The wind is just blowing outside. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it on the recording or not. Probably not. But if you can, it's it's pretty, pretty fun. Pretty loud. Shaking my 80-year-old house yeah. on its foundation. But trees know a lot about storms. And trees can count. Oh. We're talking about proper timing for such a time as this. Trees mm-hmm. can count. Trees know... When the proper time is, which is wild if you think about it, because there are times of the year when we go through warm snaps or cold snaps, Mm -hmm. but they don't go into winter mode. They don't go into spring mode. Yeah. How do they do that? Well, sometimes you see like an odd one that does, but but in general, those are the ones you're going to get knocked out, right? Yeah. So trees can count. Trees will wait to put forth leaves or to bloom or to drop seeds until a certain number of warm days have passed. Yeah. Because they know that four days in a row is not spring. Right. So they'll wait until spring actually happens. And that's important for survival of species, right? Mm -hmm. For if if it's one of those propagation times of year uh, for them, that's really important. Uh, It's important so that they don't lose their leaves and Mm -hmm. then starve for a year. Right. So there's lots of reasons why that's important. So they count warm days. They also count hours of sunlight. Ah, yeah, Which so means that makes a lot of sense. Trees have some way of seeing. Hmm. Photosynthesis requires them to know when there is light. Well, yeah. But trees have some way of sensing when it's daylight. I would not daylight. call it seeing, but yeah, sensing. The author calls it seeing. And so beech trees will not start their spring process until there are 13 hours of daylight. That makes total sense. Yeah. Trees can count. Trees know when the right time is to do the things that they need to do. And trees prepare for storms. Mm-hmm. Deciduous trees drop okay. their leaves, right? right. So we know okay. that deciduous trees drop their leaves in order to minimize their surface area and avoid being knocked over right. by wind or being broken by rain and snow, all of that. Um, so deciduous leaves are one of the adaptations to prepare for mm-hmm. winter storms. Winter storms. But there are others. Um, the way that branches grow mm-hmm. is designed to withstand storms. Mm-hmm. So most branches, when you look at a tree where they join up, Uh, They sort of grow up, and then they grow out, Mm -hmm. and then they kind of bend down at the end. And this arc helps to shed most precipitation. Yeah. But some trees are rebellious, and their branches grow more like a J shape. So they grow out, and then they grow up. Mm -hmm. I have one of those in my front yard. These are the trees that break. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're called hazard beams. They look like a J with Mm -hmm. the connection Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the J. They're called hazard beams because the way that they join up to the trunk mm-hmm. does not support enough flexibility, right. which is strength, 
rather than imperviousness, right. enough flexibility to be able to bear the weight of snow. And so snow, you know, in December and January, it's nice light flakes, but we get into March and April, it becomes wetter and denser. And when snowflakes become about the size of a quarter, mm-hmm. it's really heavy snow. Yeah. In fact, the Sunday that I preached this, that we'd had a snowstorm the two days before yeah. that. And people were, we had branches breaking at the church. Right. And so I went into the churches, like our area where we have trees, and I was like shaking right. this really dense, heavy snow off of the trees because what had happened was it snowed and then it the sun came out just long enough to melt the top layer and then it froze again and it iced right. and the ice was even heavier and it wouldn't shake off. Um, like snow will shake off. Right. Ice won't snake. So I went through and like de-iced yeah, all the trees uh, in my yard and at the church because we didn't want these branches to break. In any case... These hazard beams are actually not good for the tree because if you lose a branch, then you lose a whole source of nutrition, right? So some trees prepare for storms by the way that they're shaped or the ways that they get rid of their leaves and then grow them back again. Some trees prepare for different kinds of storms. There's more than one kind of storm, right? There's also fire. Fire. Fire storms. We're in California and Nevada. Yep. In California, Nevada. The entire West, but yes. We we get all the fires. Mm Mm-hmm. We get all the fires. And actually, fires are a necessary part of the ecological system. Oh, yes. They are. Uh, fires are a necessary part of the ecological system. Some things are, some things are not. Lightning mm-hmm. is much rarer than, well, not now. It's just like not every tree needs to deal oh, with lightning. Right. right. It's um, a rarer it's, it's a rarer hazard. hazard for them. And it affects more than just one tree. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that the trees deal with lightning is... So the root systems are all connected. Right. It's how they feed each other. It's how they take care of each other. We talked about that in an earlier episode. Yeah. But when they get struck by lightning, it also diffuses the electricity. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Douglas firs, mm-hmm. when they get struck by lightning, generally they disperse through mm-hmm. the root systems um, the hit. In fact, they saw one stand of Douglas firs that got hit by lightning. It was such a big bolt of lightning mm-hmm. that not only did it disperse among the trees, but it was enough to kill all of the trees in a 50-foot radius. Wow. Because they just couldn't absorb couldn't all absorb of the electricity. That. But generally, it could. Right. Right. Generally, they could. There are natural fire cycles. So every forest floor is covered with needles. Yep. Right. And these needles burn fast. Mm-hmm. And so in a natural fire cycle, those needles would burn and the fire would move quickly. Right. And it would just burn across the forest floor. And these ponderosa pines and redwoods have really thick bark that protects their mm-hmm. inside, which yep. is more sensitive, um, from these rapid fires. The problem is when fires jump up, mm-hmm. when fires get into the canopy, they become these raging things that are out of control and are not intended right. in the fire cycle. And that right. tends to be the fires that humans set. Right. Fires that tend to jump up. Um, human influence exacerbates fire in a lot of ways. We'll talk about that in a yeah. second. But jack pines actually need fire mm-hmm. because they have pine cones. That's how yep. their seeds are released. And, they have and to- the pine cones pop open with lightning or with fire. They need yeah, fire. And there are lots to... of other there are other plants in the ecosystem that also need them like rosebud. Really? Not roses, but rosebud. They need them and uh, manzanita needs fire. Needs fire. So here come humans then. And humans do a couple of things. One they escalate the number of fires because mm-hmm. they drop cigarette butts or campfires get out of control. Right. And that's not good. But two they exterminate fire. When fire freaks us out, we stop it. And the problem with stopping the fire is that then the bed of needles on the forest floor gets too big. Right. And And when the fire comes, it jumps up. Right. 
instead of just burning quickly across the bottom. Just this exacerbates fire. So a lot of right. the fire in the West is exacerbated because of drought. Yep. Because of climate change mm-hmm. and because of human influence. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation with a woman who just finished up her doctorate at mm-hmm. UNR, maybe 18 months ago. And she'd actually been doing the research on human started fires, even pre-white settlers. And how even even the Native Americans had had some had a lot of influence on fires, just mm-hmm. like we do yeah. in the area, which I thought was interesting. That it's not just like modern humans. It's human influence. It's humans. Yeah. Which I thought was fascinating. Although I doubt the Native Americans had the vast helicopter yes, contingency they, that pours but water. But they did on. have the ability to like start fires when it wasn't quite time. And, right. You know. So the point of all this is that forests are perfectly capable of dealing with storms unless we don't allow them mm-hmm. to deal with storms. When they are in their natural mean and mm-hmm. milieu, they have the ability to cope. Mm-hmm. But when we prevent them from experiencing the storms in their lives, then when the storms do come along, they're worse. They're not prepared. Huh. You can see this with like helicopter parents and kids going off oh, to college. Yeah. I have friends in admission who say the parents come in to register their children for classes because the kids have never had to do anything for, by themselves right. before. And it's like, you know, th- there's this coaching that happens of like, I'm not going to give you your child's email password. I'm not going to give you your child's schedule. I'm not going to let you register for classes for your child. You need to let them do this. You need to let them grow and mature. Otherwise, right. the next storm that comes along, you know, they're out of luck. Right. Well, and, and you see it in relationships, too. Like, between, right. like, husbands and wives where one one partner or the other is trying to protect. Mm-hmm. And they repress and repress, repress and, repress and, repress and repress. And then and it explodes. And it's mm-hmm. much worse than if dealing with situations. Those little things all along all the way. Along. Yeah. So this is... This is appropriate. Jesus says, for such a time as this, for such a storm as this, have I come to show you how to deal deal with with. the storms. And it involves letting go of who you have been Mm -hmm. and becoming who God is calling you to be. Letting go of the grain so that you can become the wheat. Right. The Enneagram is a tool that we have been using to help us recognize how we have avoided our storms, Mm -hmm. how we can become stronger. Right. Richard Rohr is a Catholic priest and teacher, talks about when he first discovered the Enneagram, how difficult it was for him to admit Mm. who he was. And he was terrified that people would know who he was because he was afraid of judgment. Mm. And that over time, and it has taken him decades, over time he has come to accept who he is. And accept that he has what he needs to do what he needs to do, but he has to let himself evolve. Right. He can't just be afraid of change, of admitting that he didn't have it right the first time, or of other people's judgment. He has to be able to evolve through it and to approach people without judgment Mm -hmm. and to approach himself without judgment. And that being able to hold to what is true without worrying about assigning value or judgment to it is what is liberating and healing. And so what is true for us as human beings is that the thing that we probably avoid the most is the thing that will actually help us evolve. Mm. And so I talked about, there's a book called The Sacred Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a huge fan of it because they're not huge fans of eights. (laughs) I'll admit (laughs) that that openly. That's how you judge Part of my vengeance coming out. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. When you have a lot of heart people who talk about eights as these sociopaths and it's like well you don't actually have compassion because you don't understand where they're coming from right right 
and you don't understand where I'm coming from, which I'm, I'm fine with you not understanding that, but don't put that on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Anyway, own your stuff. Own your stuff. Own your stuff. So the thing that I do like about the sacred Enneagram is that he talks about the three things that help us evolve mm-hmm. and they're the things that we avoid the most. And so we'll do them in the order that we did the episodes in. Okay. For the gut types, for the anger triad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the thing that most helps us evolve and become strong and not impervious mm-hmm. is stillness. Mm-hmm. Stopping moving. Not right. like stopping moving by laying on the couch and, and zoning out on TV. No, but being still so that you can focus on all the information that's coming at you. Kind of stillness. Well, or- it's not even information. It's about it's being still so that you do not judge yourself based on how much you right. have accomplished. Right. How much you have gotten done. Yeah. Being intentionally still, being a human being and not a human doing. Mm -hmm. Something that is very uncomfortable for us and something that is actually the thing that helps us evolve and grow. He says, if you try contemplative prayer, by the way, you should try it for six months, twice a day for 20 minutes. Because if you stop doing it anytime before that, you won't actually get the benefit of it because it takes that long to adapt to it, (laughs) which I think is a little arrogant. But, but, but maybe, maybe it's true for him. It's possible that the four that wrote this. Needed help. Right. Because I have to say that my experience of contemplative prayer has either been exhilarating or nap-taking. Yeah, it's both of those things. (laughs) So for for the gut types, for the the anger triad, it's stillness. For the heart types, for the triad that deals with sorrow and shame, particularly around image, Mm -hmm. the thing that most helps them is solitude. Mm. And it's the most counterintuitive thing for them because... When you define yourself based on your relationships, right? With twos, it's how can I help Help you? you? With threes, it's what do you think of me? And with fours, it's do you admire me? To remove yourself from the influence of other people and to love Mm -hmm. yourself as you are, not in relationship with other people, is a huge thing that will make you strong and not just impervious to the fact that you can't be alone. And for the head types who surround themselves with noise whether that's information or stimulus or worst case scenarios, the <laughs> the most liberating thing, which is also the most difficult thing, is silence. Yeah. To remove the stimulus, to remove the information, and to stare your existential dread in the face. Right. <laughs> to be silent, to be okay with the gaping chasm that right. sits in front of you instead of trying to fill it with all of the things that you think need to be filled. Silence, stillness, solitude. These are the three things that human beings find are the most difficult and they are the things that we try to avoid and they are mm-hmm. the things that will help us to be strong. Right. And what, what I find striking about those three things is that they're, they're sort of interrelated. Yeah. Even if you're... Well, there are some types that would be very happy with solitude. Right. Right. But I just mean that like those three things, each one of them has an aspect of the other two. To be still means that you also need to to cut out some of the outside stimulus mm-hmm. because that's what allows us to think we're doing something. Mm-hmm. And to be alone, you know, like I'm, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm seeing those connections. Yeah, like like there's this Venn, there's a Venn diagram of those three practices of those three things. Absolutely. So, all of this to say, Jesus models for us what it looks like not to avoid storms, but to to be strong in the midst of storms. Mm-hmm. Trees model for us what it looks like to prepare for storms, but not to let the storms take over everything that we are. And there are tools that we can use that will help us continue to be strong so that when those storms come, Mm -hmm. we are ready for them. Not because we can avoid them, because we can't avoid them all the time. Nope. But because in the midst of them, we still know who we are. We still know what our strengths are. 
and we can have some grace for ourselves and for other people. Um, that those are huge, huge things that we're always working on. So that was that was the sermon. Cool. Hey, trees. Well, thanks for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories or want to catch up with some of the stuff we've been talking about, you can find us at sundaymorningsleepin.com or drop us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You'll find notes about these links to things that are interesting that relate. We hope that you are enjoying this. The scripture for this podcast is John 12, 20 to 33. And the theme music you heard is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing to the congregation, which are some wise words that make everybody just a little bit holier. We don't have any of those. Mm. We don't have any magic words. We just have these practices that we think help us all grow deeper in God's love and grace for ourselves and for others. So whether it's silence or stillness or solitude or all three for you, um, maybe you'll try a new practice this week that will help you become even stronger and be patient with yourself while you're trying it out. Uh, Whatever you think about what we've been saying today, the question that is always before you is how will you live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving.